Welcome to Inspiration with Ike. I'm Dr. Ike Reichert, Senior Pastor of Piedmont Church and CEO of Must Ministries. On this podcast, I'll bring you a monthly dose of inspiration in the most important areas of your life. It's my sincere hope that this show will serve as a resource to you and inspire you, helping you to become your personal and professional best. One of my favorite Christmas songs is the Andy Williams classic, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Christmas is a season full of incredible joy, timeless memories, and family traditions. It's a time together with friends and family and celebrate the love that we share. However, for many, Christmas means something else. Instead of a time of family celebration, Christmas can serve as a painful memorial to a broken marriage. The idea of a Christmas dinner is often too much to bear when there is now a vacant seat at the table that was recently filled by a cherished but deceased loved one. It can be hard to get excited about giving gifts when your finances are in disarray or employment is uncertain. In today's podcast, we'll explore how all of us can better tap into the true spirit of Christmas, a faith that transcends our circumstances and allows us to fully understand Emmanuel, the idea that God is with us. When we do, we can truly experience a season of light even when we're living in a moment of darkness. This is Inspiration with Ike. Hi, welcome to Inspiration with Ike. It's so good to be with you today. And you know, it's the Christmas holidays and I really love this time of year. It's a fantastic time to be alive. It's a wonderful time to be able to impact the lives of other people. And that's what I think that all of us can do uh, during the holiday season. It's a time to be generous with other people, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, and uh, with our touch. I think all of those things go together to make for a wonderful holiday season. The reason I say that is because Sometimes during the holidays, it's the most difficult time of years for other people. Maybe they're going through a very stressful time. Maybe their financial life is taking a hit and they're going through a hard time. Or perhaps there's someone that's not going to be at their table this year that has always been at that table before. And so the holidays can have a dark side to them. And I think all of us have been there at some point in our lives. Well, there was a story that I read years ago that impacted my life greatly, and it reminded me that no matter what we go through in life, that we can find a way to be able to find hope even during the darkest periods of our lives. I can remember in my first marriage, uh, being married and having virtually nothing when it came to any type of economic uh, responsibility. And uh, during those days, it was very, very hard for my wife and I uh, to make ends meet. I was a janitor uh, in a church and trying to go to college at the same time and being a student pastor. 
And uh, I can remember one particular Christmas, it, it was just really a tough time. And then both of us managed to get the flu during the holidays. And so we're in a little house that doesn't have any type of central heating. We'd actually open up the oven uh, in our kitchen and then put up quilts over the uh, open doorways to be able to keep the heat in the room. And our bedroom was right off of that room. And that's how we tried to uh, keep things together. And so it was a tough time. So we're both sick. We didn't have the money to be able to buy presents. And so it was a, a very, very hard Christmas. And in the middle of the night, uh, I turned on the TV. That was in the day when you basically had three or four stations. And I turned on the super station in Atlanta, Channel 17. And I watched a movie for the first time called It's a Wonderful Life. And when I watched that movie, it encouraged my heart because I thought that's the way that life should be. We should all look after each other. We should all be there for one another and invest in each other's lives. And so for me, my favorite movie of all time, not just the Christmas movie, but favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Well, there's a story that I referenced earlier that I want to read to you today as a part of our time together. And it's one of those stories that impacted me greatly when I read it because maybe today you're going through that tough time. Maybe today you're going through that heartache and, or a struggle or perhaps you've got a friend that's there and you're trying to help them through the holidays. I want to read the story to you because to me, it's the only way that you can really capture the beauty and how well this story is written. It's done by Taylor Cowell. And it's entitled, My Christmas Miracle. For many of us, there's one Christmas that stands out from all the others. The one when the meaning of the day shone the clearest. Although I did not guess it, my own truest Christmas began on a rainy spring day in the bleakest year of my life. I was recently divorced. I was in my 20s. I had no job and I was on my way downtown to go to the rounds of employment offices. I had no umbrella, for my old one had fallen apart, and I could not afford another one. I sat down in a streetcar, and there against the seat was a beautiful silk umbrella with a silver handle that was inlaid with gold and flecks of bright enamel. I had never seen anything so lovely. I examined the handle and saw a name had been engraved among the golden scrolls. Now, the usual procedure would have been to turn in the umbrella to the conductor, but on an impulse, I decided to take it with me, and I decided to find the owner myself. I got off the streetcar in a downpour, and I thankfully opened up the umbrella to protect myself. And then I searched a telephone book for the name on the umbrella, and I found it. I called, and a lady answered. Yes, she said in surprise, that was her umbrella, which her parents, now deceased, had given her for a birthday present. But, she added, it had been stolen from her locker at school. She was a teacher, and that had happened more than a year before. She was so excited that I forgot that I was looking for a job, and I ended up going directly to her house to take the umbrella. Well, she took the umbrella and her eyes filled with tears. The teacher wanted to give me a reward, but although $20 was all that I had in the world, 
Her happiness at retrieving this special possession was such that to have accepted money would have somehow spoiled something. So we talked for a while, and I guess I must have given her my address. I really don't remember. Now, the next six months of my life were wretched. I was able to obtain only temporary employment here and there for a very small salary, even though this was what they now call the Roaring Twenties. But I put aside 25 or 50 cents when I could to be able to afford it for my little girl's Christmas present, and it took me six months to save $8. My last job ended the day before Christmas. My $30 rent was due soon. I had $15 to my name, and my daughter Peggy and I would need that for food. She was home from her covenant boarding school and was excitedly looking forward to her gifts the next day, which I had already purchased. I bought her a small tree, and we were going to decorate it that night. The stormy air was full of the sounds of Christmas merriment as I walked from the streetcar to my small apartment. There were bells that were ringing and children were shouting in the bitter dusk of the evening and windows were lighted and everyone was running and laughing. But there would be no Christmas for me. I knew that there would be no gifts. There would be no remembrance whatsoever. As I struggled through the snowdrifts, I had just about reached the lowest point in my life. And unless a miracle happened, I was going to be homeless in January, foodless and jobless. I had prayed steadily for weeks, and there had been no answer. Just this cold, dark, harsh air and a sense of abandonment. I felt like that God and men had completely forgotten me. I felt as old as death and just as lonely. What was going to become of us? I looked in my mailbox. There were only bills in it. There was a sheaf of them. There were two white envelopes, which I knew just contained more bills. And I went up three dusty flights of stairs, and I cried. I was shivering in my thin coat. But I made myself smile so that I could at least greet my daughter with a pretense of happiness. She opened up the door for me and threw herself into my arms, and she was screaming joyously and demanding that we've got to decorate the tree immediately. Peggy was not yet six years old and had been alone all day while I worked. She had set our kitchen table for our evening meal proudly, and she had put out pans and three cans of food, which would be our dinner. For some reason, when I looked at those pans and cans, I just felt brokenhearted. We would only have hamburgers for our Christmas dinner tomorrow and gelatin. I stood in that little cold kitchen, and misery overwhelmed me. For the first time in my life, I doubted the existence of God and His mercy. And the coldness in my heart was colder than the ice outside. Suddenly, the doorbell rang, and Peggy ran fleetingly to answer it, calling out over her shoulder that it must be Santa Claus. And then I heard a man talking heartily to her, and I went to the door. He was the delivery man, and his arms were full of big parcels, and he was laughing at my child's frenzied joy and the fact that she was dancing. Well, this is a mistake, I said, but he read the name on the parcels and 
Sure enough, they were for me. And when he had gone, I could just stand and stare at the boxes. And then Peggy and I sat down on the floor and we started opening them. There was a huge doll, three times the size of the one that I bought for. And there were gloves and there was candy and there was a beautiful leather purse. This is incredible. And I started looking for the name of the sender. And there it was. It was the teacher. And the address simply said, California, the place where she had moved. Well, our dinner that night was the most delicious that I'd ever eaten. I could only pray to myself, thank you, Father. I had forgotten for the moment that I didn't have any money for the rent. I only had $15 in my purse, and I didn't even have a job. But my child and I ate, and we laughed together in happiness. And then we got together, and we decorated a little tree, and we just marveled at it. I put Peggy to bed, and I set up all the gifts around the tree. And a sweet peace flooded me like a benediction because I had some hope again. I could even examine that sheaf of bills now without cringing. Then I opened those two white ominous envelopes. Well, one contained a check for $30 from a company that I had worked for briefly in the summer. And it was, said a note, my Christmas bonus. Heck no, this is my rent. The other envelope was an offer of a permanent position with the government, and it would begin two days after Christmas. I sat with the letter in my hand and the check on the table before me, and I think that was the most joyous moment in my life up to that time. Well, then the church bells began to ring. I hurriedly looked at my child, and she was sleeping blissfully, and I ran down the three stairs down to the street. Everywhere people were walking to church to celebrate the birth of the Savior. There were people that were smiling at me, and I finally could smile back. The storm now had stopped. The sky was pure and just glittering with stars. The Lord is born, sang the bells to that crystal night air and in the laughing darkness. And then someone began to sing, O come all ye faithful. And I joined in and I sang with the strangers all about me. And then I thought, I'm not alone at all. I thought I was, but I was never alone. And of course, that is the truest message of Christmas, that we are never alone, not when the night is the darkest or the wind is the coldest or it seems like the world is the most indifferent. For this is the time that God chooses. I love that story because all of us can find ourselves in difficult situations. We can find ourselves experiencing a dark Christmas when we're by ourselves and maybe we've gone through a tragedy or a heartache in our lives and we're looking for hope. And the best place that we can find hope is in our relationship with God. It's helped to carry me through those dark times when financially it was hard for me to be able to make ends meet. It's carried me through those times when a job has ended and a new job has not yet appeared. It's carried me through the times when I buried a wife and child and didn't really believe that I could continue to put one foot in front of the other. And yet that hope is the thing that's carried me through all of those storms and through those darkest times. And in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, 
God reminds us about those times, and he reminds us that he calls us by name, that he knows who we are. No matter what the situation is that we're going through, no matter what it is that we're facing, that God is always there with us. And even though there's going to be times that your faith is, is going to be troubled, it's okay to have a troubled faith. It's okay to sit back and wonder, just like Taylor Cowell wrote, that she was at a point where she wasn't sure if she could trust God anymore. And you know, that trust is the foundation part of any relationship that's worthwhile. But when we have our faith and it's been tested, that's when we know that it can be trusted. And it's only during those times that, that we can gain strength. And so a faith that's troubled, I promise you, is better than no faith at all. And a faith not tested can't be trusted. So there's going to be times in life that all of us are going to go through those kinds of difficult things. And sometimes we, we feel like that we've been abandoned or somehow that, um, that God is just not aware of our situation. But I want to remind you that in my theology that God is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, nothing ever catches God off guard, ever. God always knows what's coming down the way. And although we may not see some of these things coming, God knows that there's, they're coming, and he will give us his grace that will help us through the most difficult times that we might be facing in our lives. And when we handle trouble the right way during the holidays or during any other time of year, then trouble handled rightly will honor God. And that's what I want you to do during this holiday season. So maybe today you're really not feeling God right now. Maybe you don't feel in the Christmas spirit and you just, you just can't really feel him. Well, let me remind you that God is a fact. He's not a feeling. And he's always there for you. It's, it's based on a commitment with him. And you can trust God. Uh, one of the quotes that got me through the, the darkest days of my life came from a man named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, meaning you just do not understand why have things happened the way that they've happened? Why have things worked out the way that they've worked out in your life? And you're just in that crucible of trying to figure out, what do I do next? God is too wise to be mistaken. And when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. And that's where I am in my spiritual walk, is that I, I trust God with my life. And you know, it's, it's one thing one day, to be able to tell your story, but it's a whole nother thing to be living your story. We all love it when we get through a situation in our life and then we're able to explain it to someone and we're able to say, hey, here's all the ways that God came through for me during those times. And we all love to get to that point, but it's one thing to tell that story. It's another thing to be living it. But here's the advice I would give you. Whatever you're up against right now in this holiday season that might be negative and it might be dark is that live your story now the way you want to be able to tell your story later without having to change a thing, without having to embellish a thing. In other words, when you're going through a time like this and maybe it's dark, 
What are some of the things you know that you could get out and do to make a difference in someone else's life? Because whatever you're missing in life, if you find a way to give away what you're missing, God has this incredible ability to be able to circulate it back to you. And if you're maybe not feeling as loved, maybe it's an opportunity for you to go out and to be loving because charities during this time of year appreciate so much when people come in and volunteer. And I know at Must Ministries, where I'm a part of that team, it's a, a great time for people to be able to come in and to be with other people that are less fortunate and it just reinforces to you the reality of your own situation and that you can get through those times. Because when you take the time to help someone that cannot possibly help you, that's one of the greatest feelings I, I think that we ever have in our entire lives. And, and remember, although we might go through some dark times, never doubt in the dark what you've known to be true uh, in the light because we're all going to go through some things. Now, sometimes you have some well-meaning friends, uh, perhaps from the Christian faith, uh, who will come to you during those times, and they'll tell you, well, the reason you're going through this is that God is testing you. You know, God is, God is just testing to see if you're faithful. Can, can I tell you something? God doesn't have to try and experiment on you to find out the quality of your faith. He already knows it. You're the one that doesn't know. And so when you go through these kinds of events, you're going to learn an awful lot about yourself and you're going to learn an awful lot about God. And you can help to make that Christmas miracle perhaps in someone else's life. I'll tell you a closing story about how that recently happened for me. Uh, there's someone at Supreme Lending that prefers to remain anonymous and things that called me last year and he said he wanted to do something for a family. And I helped to line him up with the family, and he and his wife and his children uh, got to participate together. And he enjoyed that experience so much that he called me back again this year. And I had a very spe special situation that I knew about. And that special situation involved a young lady that has a tremendous heart as a teacher. And such a tremendous heart that when she finished college, she applied into a program that would send her to one of the most poverty-stricken areas in America. That's where she wanted to go and teach. And so she was sent down to New Orleans, to an area there that had been devastated by the hurricanes and was still struggling to be able to get back on its feet. And so she went there and she became an educator. Well, wouldn't you know it, when you're trying to do something right, you're trying to do your best, there's always going to be something that happens that makes you question everything. Well, the person who made her question was a little boy in her class. And that little boy put her to the point about halfway through the year of wondering if she had ever been called to be a teacher in the first place. My guess is there's some teachers that had me in class that felt exactly the same way somewhere along the way. And so this little boy was rambunctious. He would interrupt the class. Uh, he would act out. And so this teacher decided, rather than allowing this to cause me not to want to be an educator, why don't I get to understand this boy on a much deeper level? And as she did, she began to fall in love with this child. She found out about his situation. She found out that the mom could really not afford him, nor 
could she afford his brother and that she was in a very bad place, a very dark place in her life. And the mom asked this teacher, who is about 23 or 24 years old, imagine you at 23 or 24, and the mom looks at you and says, would you adopt my children? Because I'm not going to be able to break the pattern that I'm in to be able to help lift, lift them out of the situation they find themselves in because of where I am in life. And this teacher took on that responsibility. She adopted both of those boys. And then we were blessed when she was relocated back to Atlanta in a teaching job. And uh, we were thrilled for her because one day on Good Morning America, they interviewed her. They just showed up at her school, and uh, she was one of those all-American heroes that just stepped out and did something that, quite honestly, it just calls us all to be better. I know I used to look at Mother Teresa's example, and no matter what I was doing, I would think, I can do better than this. I can do better because I would look at what she was doing and it would just challenge me in my own walk to want to do better things. And so this teacher uh, was blessed to be honored and recognized. But you can imagine that with taking on two young boys into your family on a teacher's salary, and you're now like 25, 26 years old, what a financial burden that puts on you. And so, of course, you know, with student loan debt today and all the other things that so many people are having to work through, it was very hard for her to make some ends meet. And so I happened to talk with her uh, recently and just found out where she was on some things. And then my friend uh, from Supreme gave me a call and said, I want to help with a family. And when I talked to him about this family, he said, that's it right there. That's what I want to do. You see, his mom had been an educator as well, and he knew the sacrifice and the heart that so many of our educators have, which is so remarkable. And so he gave a substantial gift to this young lady to the point where she doesn't have any of her credit card debt hanging over anymore. She's got that taken care of, and now she's going to be able to work on that student loan debt, and her goal is to be debt-free here in the next several years. You see, she needed a Christmas miracle. Taylor Cowell needed a Christmas miracle. Hey, the entire world needed a miracle. And all of a sudden, in a place called Bethlehem, the shepherds were out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the Bible said they were sore afraid, but the angel said to them, Do not fear, for I bring you good news of a great joy, for unto you is born this day, this very day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And on that day, God gave this world a miracle. And all of time is divided by His life. That miracle wants to help you with whatever struggle you're going through, Whatever it is that you're facing in life, God wants to be there to help you through those times. Because you see, the, the story is, we're never alone. We were never alone at all. And sometimes when the night is the darkest and the wind feels the coldest, you're on the cusp of your Christmas miracle as well. 
God bless you. Know that you're loved and you're prayed for. Merry Christmas and the happiest of New Year's.